morning and uh, can I add to Brad's welcome this morning. Welcome to Church Online. We're so glad that you're tuning in with us this way. Hopefully soon there'll be a few of us able to gather in the building and this will be hopefully our last uh, bare auditorium uh, as, as things hopefully start to go back to normal. What a year it's been. Hey, I'm really excited this morning because I get to kick us off on a brand new series. I love starting off a new series. It's always fun to be the first cab off the rank in a new series, uh, getting to sort of set it up and flesh it out. And I'm really excited this morning because I think that this part of the series, part one, it really makes sense to come first. And I love that when a series seems to make sense and come in a logical order. So this morning I'm starting us off on a three-week series around Thanksgiving and worship. And I'm really, uh, yeah, really excited. Um, I'm, I'm feeling really passionate about the word that I have to bring this morning. So over the next three weeks, we'll be speaking around this theme. Um, and, and I think as we come out of the strangest sort of year, uh, probably of most of our lives, uh, and we look back at what has happened and we look forward feeling really hopeful that um, hopefully we'll be able to be together again and sort of have some of our physical freedoms returned to us. I think it's a really good sort of time of year to pause and reflect and be thankful and grateful and worship God for what he has done and, and what he is doing and what he will continue to do. Uh, and especially because we're coming into that really fun festive season. My Christmas tree is up. It's been up for about three weeks. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Uh, but it's such a good time of year, I think, to really pause, reflect and be thankful and grateful for all that God is doing among us. So this morning I get to start us off the first week. And the first week uh, is Grateful Hearts. And over the next couple of weeks, you'll hear Pastor Brad speak about uh, actions and, and words. But I think it's really a, a, an important place to start with our hearts. And I think it's an important place to start because that's where God begins with us also. Because, uh, because who we are in our actions and, and in our words is an overflow of who God is transforming us to be internally, uh, who God is changing us into and a reflection of the posture of our heart. The condition of our heart interests God more than almost anything. And we see it in scripture, actually, uh, that God says, uh, for the Lord sees, not as man sees, uh, because we see an outward appearance, but God, he looks at the heart. God sees differently to how we see. He sees internal things. Um, he sees who we really are. And, and uh I think I've been reading a lot this week from the Psalms and thinking about the Psalmists and how they just reveal their heart to God and speak about their heart and, and are honest with, with God about how they really feel. I was even thinking over the last sort of couple of months, um, Pastor Brad and I have both referenced in our sermons the same scripture from um, Psalm 51. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention it again today because it continues to resound with me uh, in this season, is to create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. This sort of idea that God is able to transform us from the inside uh, out. And so uh, I think when, when, we, when we do that, when we lean into this idea, it enlarges our view of God. And as our view of God is enlarged, we become more obedient to worship Him, more obe obedient to serve Him and, and give thanks 
to who he is and all that he has done. When we have a heart um, of worship and we live in that sort of space um, and that is, that is a really great place for us to be but it begins with this internal work on our on our heart so that we would have a heart of worship um, so what what are our hearts revealing this morning what what is coming out of us I want to begin with this idea and really dive more into this idea around the transformation of our heart, that we should be transformed. And I think sometimes as people of faith, and, and there's different seasons, of course, that sometimes as people of faith, we sort of have this drift that happens where even though intellectually we understand that we are new creations, that we are, that we are made new, that we are made whole um, and holy and righteous and blameless and that the old is gone and the new has come and God sees who we really are and loves us deeply. Even though we know that, we sort of start to have this drift where we think, I know that, but also I should do all the right things and I should sort of muster up some action. I should muster up some uh, evidence of my faith rather than allowing the transformative work within us to overflow into those things. We think we have to uh, measure up to some kind of standard. We drift in our belief and we treat salvation as if it is an illusion of redemption rather than an actual transformational work, right? So scripture couldn't be more different or couldn't speak uh, more clearly in opposition to that idea. In 2 Corinthians, uh, we actually read in chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... In Christ God, we are reconciling the, He's reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making uh, His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, He has made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So that here in this scripture, we see that we are um, called, not even just called to be new creations, we are made new when we come into this saving relationship with Jesus, that we are reconciled to Him and that part of the mandate and mission is to help others to have that kind of experience and encounter as well but that Jesus became sin so that our sin would be known no more. So there's this incredible exchange that happens, this incredible picture of a new person that we become. But sometimes we drift. Sometimes we think of ourselves uh, as if maybe we aren't a new creation, as if perhaps we're, we're just sort of covering our old self with the new self. But it's not that way at all. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Transformation is, in Jesus is based on His power, not ours. Truth is based on His sacrifice, not our actions. And so we have to lean in and trust Him more and, and surrender to Him further. You are new, a new creation completely 
by the grace of God, apart from any of your actions, you are made righteous and holy. Yeah. It's sort of this old way of thinking in youth ministry. <laughs> we talk about it as being a cardboard box thinking. And what I mean by, by that is this, that uh, I don't know if you've ever moved house, packed up, packed up your house. Um, I know the boomers, you guys are packing up your house right now. Uh, wonderful, beautiful Michelle and the kids and Mark just packed up their house and moved. And when you do that, you put everything uh, that you own in cardboard boxes. Uh, depends. Pastor Jackie has also just moved house. Uh, they didn't move quite as fast, so maybe they just popped it in the back of the car. But when you really like moving, you pack everything up into a box and then you label the outside of the box. And if you move a lot, sometimes your boxes are mislabeled and it really just becomes a mess. Anyway, <laughs> what we know is that uh, it's not the label that we put on the box that makes the box valuable. It's what's inside the box that makes the box valuable, right? So if you're, say, packing up um, a family heirloom or some expensive jewellery or um, some fine china or something that's really uh, special to you, uh, and you put it in a box and then you label it fragile or you label it special or you label it be careful or, or you label it only mum is allowed to touch this box. However, you, you label those special boxes. It's not the label, it's not the outside that makes that box significant. It's what's inside of that box that is significant and what is inside of that box is valuable and what is inside of you is valuable, right? This cardboard box thinking where actually the external things have very little to do uh, with what, what value there is internally. And so when we see this transformative work begin to happen, it begins internally. And we know through the transformative power of God at work within us, we start to see our actions reflect that. We start to see how our, our faith have deeds, but that all comes from internal things. And who we are and our value is not based on external, it's based on in internal. Right, So uh, when we begin to believe that God has truly transformed us into a new creation and reconciled himself to us through grace, then we start to live on the foundation of that. And that then births freedom and righteousness and all these good things in us. The posture of our hearts is important because it frames our outward acts. We are transformed into new creations. And all of that echoes back to Psalm 51, that we are made new with a new heart. It's important that we cling to this, that we remind ourselves of salvation and all that Jesus has done for us and what that truly means for us. And do not allow ourselves to drift, that we lean in and that we ask God to make our hearts new. Because a, a, a grateful heart is a new heart. A grateful heart is a new heart. The transformation of our heart is important. The next sort of idea that I, I feel like uh, makes sense to land on is this around the posture of our heart. The posture of our heart should be one of obedience. Worship uh, is mentioned a lot of times in the Bible, but the first time that we see worship mentioned is actually uh, in the Abraham and Isaac story, which 
It's strange, right? Because it doesn't immediately spring to mind as a story of worship. Uh, it springs to mind as a story of God's faithfulness and a near miss on a mountain. And it, it springs to mind um, as, as a story of obedience. But it doesn't necessarily spring to mind as a story of worship. But the first time we see the words used is in, is in this account in Genesis 22. Uh, let me, I'm going to read it to you. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. And so early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had asked him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. So for Abraham, this idea of obedience and worship are really closely linked. And I guess it's a challenging question to ask this morning. Are those two ideas closely linked of obedience and worship? Is the posture of our heart obedience. Obedience and worship coming together hand in hand. Verse 6 says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife and the two of them went up together and Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham is in this position where he chooses to trust the Lord's command, even though it doesn't make sense in his natural understanding. And Abraham, now we see linked three ideas, worship, obedience and sacrifice all sort of linked together in this, this one scripture. Obviously, we know that God comes through and Abraham does not have to sacrifice his son. Uh, it, it says uh, in verse 12 um, uh, that an angel appeared and says, Do not lay, lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him, for I know that you fear God, uh, seeing that you have not withheld your son um, or your family from me. And so... Again, sort of really just landing this idea around obedience, sacrifice and worship. Obedience even when we don't feel like it. Obedience when it doesn't make sense. Or when we don't feel like worshipping or giving thanks. That we would uh, bring our sacrifice of praise. That we would have an obedient heart that brings worship to God. Even when we don't feel like it. Because we see here that worship and a worshipful heart is not about how we feel in any given moment. It is an act of obedience to a heavenly father who cares deeply about us. Our new heart should have a posture of obedience, of reverence or an understanding of how big God really is. I think sometimes um, in the midst of our, our sort of sea of troubles, if we saw God truly for who he was, we would have peace. And I don't mean that to say that our problems are small or belittle the things that we go through, but I mean it to, to highlight how big 
God is and how powerful He is. If He appeared to us here in this room right now, uh, in your home this morning, if He appeared in a physical sense and uh, spoke to us in an audible voice, I, I would almost guarantee that most of us would not be worried about the things that were going on in our personal lives. Perhaps we'd be worried about the world, but we would be in awe of this God and we would be willing to be obedient to whatever he called us to. And so when we're in any season, the posture of our heart should be one of obedience, one that sings praise and gives thanks, even when we don't feel like it. Because God knew who Abraham was. And God knew what would happen next. And God knew that he would provide um, a sacrifice that wasn't Isaac. So this story is a lesson for Abraham in, in trusting in who God is. It was a lesson for Abraham in recognising his own obedience, in recognising his own uh, worship. And so I think when we're going through these difficult seasons and we're crying out to God, don't don't stop crying out to God, but also see how maybe God is teaching us something about our worship, something about our obedience. A, a, a grateful heart is, is, a, is a new heart, but it is also an obedient heart that praises God, that sees him for who he really is um, and is willing to, to sacrifice to praise him. Okay. The third sort of thing that, again, I think we're going in a bit of a logical order this morning, or at least for my thinking we are, is this. Um, what is the cry of our heart? What is the cry of a grateful heart? When I read the Psalms, I see the psalmists crying out to God. I see them uh, pouring out their hearts to Him. And I don't know about you, but I often... And I think a lot of people do turn to the Psalms, uh, maybe in difficult seasons where you're sort of not really feeling like yourself or, or difficult things are going on as a place of sort of refuge. And sometimes in those seasons when I read the Psalms, I feel very challenged. I feel challenged to think, is this the cry of my heart? If I was in this position, would I be able to cry out to God in this way? Um, one of my favourite Psalms is Psalm uh, 63. I'm going to read it to you this morning. It says this, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you and I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing, uh, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I will remember you and I will think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wing. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Now to be honest with you this morning, if that is where the Psalm ended, I don't know, I would feel challenged and convicted. And I would think, is that the cry of my heart? Could I, could I sing these words to God? Could I cry out to God in this way? 
I don't know when you read the Psalms, this Psalm doesn't stop here. And I used to read the Psalms and be like, why is there these parts where they're like praising God and then suddenly it turns and then, wait, we're going to read the next bit. Verse 9 says, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down into the depths of the earth and they will be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of the liars will be silenced. Can I tell you what I have begun to be encouraged by when I read the Psalms is that the Psalmists come to God honestly. They cry out to him. The cry of their heart is honest. And I think that that is a a challenge, but also an encouragement for all of us this morning is that God can take our honesty. He wants to hear honestly from our heart. He doesn't desire perfection from us. He doesn't uh, desire us to to live in some perfect way. What he desires is uh, for us to be honest with him, to to come to him and see him for who he really is. Because I truly think a a grateful heart uh, is a transformed heart, an obedient heart, an, an honest heart. We don't have to hide who we are from God. Because when we, when we come to Him uh, from this place of honesty and we worship Him as an act of obedience um, and we know that He's continuing to transform us, then something authentic happens to our thanksgiving, to our praise, to our worship of God. Not just uh, in a corporate sense of singing praise to Him, but in, in a sense of how we live. We live more grateful. We live more thankful. We live more authentically and honestly knowing that... Uh, the Heavenly Father wants what is best for us. Because what happens even when we don't feel like praising, even when if we're honest with God, we're a little bit upset with our situation, what happens is we enlarge our view of Him. When we look to Him, as the psalmist did, when we speak honestly to Him about the cry of our heart, our our view of God enlarges And that transforms us further, which causes us to be more obedient. We're able to be more honest. You see how this becomes uh, sort of like a circular um, thing of of how we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So can, can I encourage you this morning? A grateful heart. A grateful heart is a transformed heart that knows that it is a new creation. A grateful heart this morning is an obedient heart that worships God even when it doesn't, even when we don't feel like it. And a grateful heart is an honest heart that cries out to God in spirit, in truth, in, in honesty, cries out to God, trusting and knowing and believing that He is an almighty, all-powerful God who uh, is capable of far more than we could ask, think or imagine and who is transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. This is the foundation that we, we need before we step into actions or words. We need to begin with the internal work that only God can do in our hearts. Let me just quickly pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are working on our hearts that you see our heart, 
uh, and that you know us for who we truly are. God, that you made us and you called us good and that you love us deeply this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining with us this morning. Hopefully we'll see some of your smiley faces here in the auditorium next week. But if not, maybe make a plan to uh, do church with a friend or another family or even uh, catch up for lunch after church. Even right now, just text a friend and see what they're up to. You might be surprised. We love you guys. We're praying for you and we can't wait to see you soon.